Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Star Wars animation panel. We are all really excited to be here, and you'll have to bear with me. This is my first time moderating, moderating a panel, so there were some technical difficulties, but we're all here, and we're all ready to talk about Star Wars animation. Um, obviously, all of us here are really passionate about these stories. They mean a lot to all of us here, and I'm sure all of you are really excited to talk about them, too. And so today, we're going to be talking about the past, present, and future of the animation department at Lucasfilm. So before we get started, we are just going to go ahead and introduce all of our panelists here today. So if we just want to go down the line and say your name and your outlet or your Twitter handle, if you'd like. Hello, I am Hope Molinax. I'm one of the co-hosts of J Guys and Jedi podcast. We are a not safe for work podcast, so sorry kids, where we have adult conversations about animation. Our main focus is what we call the Filoni-verse. So we've already done all of Clone Wars. We're halfway through Rebels right now. We plan to do Resistance, Season 7 of Clone Wars, and whatever it is. But we mostly focus on the Filoni-verse because it, the animation is very different from the rest of the canon. It's very unique. So. Good morning. My name is Melissa. I am not on a podcast. I am a costuming member of several of the Star Wars costume groups, but my particular favorite is Captain Rex. So oftentimes, folks in Atlanta get to see me wandering around as Captain Rex at various events, and with that said, Clone Wars is my field of specialty, and I really enjoyed Rebels as well. I'm looking forward to the spoilers in today's panel. I haven't been able to see Resistance yet. My name is Logan McGaw, and I am currently a junior in Altoona High School still. <laughs> um, I'm not a part of the 501st, not a podcaster, YouTuber, or anything like that. I just enjoy drawing. Uh, I draw Star Wars a lot. Uh, my Instagram page is on there where I post my artwork. He's really uh, good. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I-, I follow him. <laughs> yes. Uh, Clone Wars was my introduction to the... Uh, world of Star Wars. I watched that show so many times. I've watched Rebels, and I've seen and I've watched Resistance as well. Uh, so, yeah. I'm Charlotte Erdy, and I am a co-host on the Sky Talkers podcast. And Caitlin, who's the moderator, and I are both on the same podcast. And we um, love the animation department. Our slogan really is "Look to the animation department for the future of Star Wars." And we have episodes all about resistance. We follow rebels. We talk a lot about animation. So we're really excited to both be here today. Hi, I'm John Liang. I'm a, I'm a contributor to the Bellway Banthas Star Wars and Politics podcast. I've also written for RichoZap.com about basically doing a lot of book reviews. I'm really big on the books as well as the animation. And I think I may be the resident old fart on this panel because I <laughs> saw have you be? I saw Star Wars in the original theater in 1977 at eight years old. Hadn't been. I uh, wasn't in America yet. Okay, I saw it in Panama. I was in Germany. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, those are our panelists, and like Charlotte said, my name is Caitlin, and I'm the other co-host of Sky Talkers Podcast, and we all love animation. So before we get started, oh no, oh no, okay, I have a cute picture of a loth cat um, that says spoilers, but we already covered that. Um, So there will be spoilers for all of our animated shows, so Clone Wars, Rebels, and Resistance, um, and all of that. So we already did a warning, but there's another warning for you. Ah, I will move that. Thank you. 
So uh, first, I'm just going to give a little background on some of our past shows. So we have Clone Wars, which premiered in 2008 in theaters. It officially changed the landscape of Star Wars. It went on to be nominated for 16 Daytime Emmy Awards. And as Logan mentioned, it introduced him to Star Wars and a whole other generation of people to Star Wars and brought in a whole new era of fans. Um, so we're going to talk about the original run of Clone Wars here, and then we'll save season seven discussion for the end of the panel. <coughs> Um, and then we had Rebels, which has, of course, finished. Um, and it ran from 2014 to 2018. It was the first project underneath the new Disney era, as I'm sure you're all aware of. And it introduced characters like Kanan, Hera, Zeb, Ezra, Sabine, and one of my personal favorites, Chopper. Um, it was nominated for four daytime Emmys and a lot of other awards as well during its 75-episode run. And it took place between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Okay, so our first question is... Lucasfilm has been developing these stories for well over a decade now. What is it about these shows that keeps us coming back to these stories? I'm happy to start. I feel like animation to me is such a celebration of the weird. <coughs> it is always exploring new things that I feel like the films haven't really gotten into. I felt that way about Clone Wars especially with things like the Mortis arc and everything. I think that you know, those are stories that George Lucas really wanted to tell, and he didn't really get to them in the films, but they add so much to how we think about the Force and how we think about when we watch the movies now, we're so filled with all this extra information. They also, for me, they also for me um, helped uh, reconcile myself to the prequels. I actually like them a lot more after having seen, watched the Clone, specifically the Clone Wars, you see a lot of the backstory that when you go back and watch the prequels, you go, Oh, okay, that may, be a stuff, may have been stuff that George just couldn't put into the prequels because of time or whatever, but now you've got all that backstory that you can go, okay, I get it now, that's great. That, that really is a big thing for me as well. I, I love television, like, yeah, movies are fine, but I, I love television because you have more time to make these stories, have deeper characters, and have these bigger story arcs, and that's what I love about the animation department. Like, I feel like you have Kanan for four seasons, and it's a very, very deep story opposed to somebody that you see like in a show, or like going deeper with like Mace Windu, or, or all these characters that we love for the movies, and you can actually develop their stories deeper. And you guys said it right, animation is the future of Star Wars. We're seeing these storylines starting to come into the main movies now. And it's because of the experimentation they did back starting with Clone Wars. With the, me, it's definitely like the characters, like as I said before, like. Clone Wars was my introduction to Star Wars, so many people who disliked the prequels and stuff like that, um, I didn't understand why, because, and, like, now that I'm older, I understand, like, I got to grow up watching characters like Anakin and Obi-Wan develop and watch them gain these bonds, and then I also grew up with, like, characters like Ahsoka and Rex, who's my favorite character, and... We get to see these characters, each of them grow in their own ways, develop, um, we watch, we cheer when they cheer, we cry when they cry, uh, we're angry when they're angry, and we just get like these amazing moments with like their designs like help like influence like their characters like immediately like if you look between like Rex, Echo, and Fives, um, my friends, they always say, like, they're able to tell them apart because they they always say, where's the handprint? Because they know, like, 
Echo's signature thing is the handprint. And like, where's the J guys? They know Rex's signature thing is the J guys. So stuff about like the animation, the story, and how everything just ties together just helps it all fit. I enjoy the fact that with all the animations, they have a better ability to world build. In the movies, you're limited to the, the, the time span that the movie's going to run, and you don't get to see the background characters. You know, John, John and, and Tina, who work at the cantina, you, know, you don't get to see what, what does the cantina look like? What are the lower levels of Coruscant look like? What are all of these other worlds that are mentioned in, in various things that you may see a glimpse or two in a comic panel, but you get to see a 30-minute episode where it's a whole new world, a whole new culture, um, just all of the research that goes into building that type of thing is one of the reasons why I do enjoy the animation and the fact that they, it's the world-building experience. Can I say one more thing? Like going back to the fact that animation is the future of Star Wars. Can I have like the kids in the audience raise their hands? Like anyone who's like under eighteen, you guys are the future of Star Wars too, and it's so important that you guys have an outlet to get you into the genre because all of us like old bodies and stuff. We love you, but like you guys will be passing the torch to the next generation after you, and that's why animation is also important. So you guys have a place in the fandom too. I see your hand. Oh. I actually started on the movies. That's okay. Yeah. That's, That's okay. Yeah. Cool. You're allowed. <laughs> for everyone. I, sta I started on the movies too, but I love the animation more. You're allowed. <laughs> That's that's one of the great things about Star Wars now and with all of these animated shows is that there are so many entry points into Star Wars. Um, it doesn't have to, you don't have to start with A New Hope to be a Star Wars fan. You can start with Clone Wars. You can start with The Phantom Menace. You can start with a book. Or I met someone a couple weeks ago who their entry point to Star Wars was Star Tours, and that's how they discovered Star Wars. And one thing that I love about animation we've kind of touched on already is just the breadth of the stories that we get to tell and how a lot of the times the movies are giving us like very big picture of what's going on and then in animation and with these longer form stories you really get a chance to dive in deep and see the details of how all these politics and characters were moving into place in order to get where we are in some of the films and they really just work so well together. Um, so with Clone Wars and with Rebels we had a lot of time with those characters. What are some of the stories and story arcs that you guys find yourself returning back to the most? I can do it. Um, for me the story arc that really represents, you know, okay. Ah. <laughs> so I'm, so Don't I'm steal my arc. Don't yeah, steal yeah. my arc. <laughs> I'm watching that arc, and of course, it's 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 the one that comes out on Netflix. So okay, it's Friday night when it first comes out. I'm home after work, get myself a glass of wine, start watching the 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 arc. By the third episode, like the first ten minutes of the third episode, I'm realizing, oh crap, they're going there. Okay. Do I have enough wine? I go in the kitchen. No, I don't. I put press pause, run up to the quickie mart, get myself a nice big honking bottle of wine, <laughs> come back, and, decide, and restart watching that thing because I thought that was most one of the best arcs, well, most well done. Um, gold, good soldier, ah, kills me. It's great. Uh, for me, it's definitely the Umbara arc because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we can all enjoy it. We can all enjoy. It. Don't worry. Don't worry. You're stealing my lines from last year, aren't you? <laughs> So, um, with the Umbara arc, most people just praise that arc just for the fact of, oh, it's the clones, it's the 501st, uh, we, got, we get to see four episodes about them, they shoot things, yay. Um, but for me, 
like rewatching it so many times, I'm noticing like how much character development the soldiers of Turret Company got, like especially Captain Rex, because like lots of people like don't like really see it, but throughout the course of the show and into Rebels, you watch Rex like mellow out and start to become more individualistic. And so with the Umbara arc, um, he kind of learned like, hey, I'm a soldier, I'm still gonna be a good soldier, but like good soldiers follow orders, but like great soldiers know when orders are wrong. So like we got to and we got to see like fives kind of like help him through that as well. And Jesse, we got some amazing action scenes and I'm probably not the and my my favorite scene of all time in all of Star Wars is Rex's mutiny on Krell and watching Rex and all the clones in that lighting just march up to the citadel like the tower and we just get this amazing scene of just pretty much watching the clones show we're not droids we're individualistic mm-hmm. Who's who next? Yeah. they both took my arcs <laughs> 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 I wa- you like them? yeah Uh, when when you watch the uh, the first three movies, the Phantom, the Menace arc, you have the clones as sort of a background. They, they show up in a movie too. They're, they're kind of a background filler, a, a mysterious sort of menace. And when the Clone Wars cartoon started, of course you have your hero characters. You've got Anakin. You've got uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. You've got Ahsoka, and then you start having clones that have names. Um, and one of the reasons that Umbara arc spoke to me so much is that was the point where, while yes, they had their individual colorizations and patterns on their, on their, out, on their kits, you, you began to sympathize with them. Mm-hmm. They're stuck. They're, they've been conditioned and trained and, and brainwashed to follow all of these rules. And at that moment, the thing, the one thing they've been told would always be a constant in their life and always be the right choice was irrevocably broken. And you got to watch that crushing sense to them and that's when they became real. They weren't just filler animation in the background. They weren't just, you know, you know additional add-ons to the thing. It, it actually became the Clone Wars. And then when going back to watch when old Obi-Wan Kenobi said, mentioned that he remembered the Clone Wars, it ties into how much you know memory actually was there. It wasn't just a passing thing. There were millions of these guys that they didn't know any better. And at that point in Umbara, you see how much it hurt them to realize that the one thing they were able to trust, they couldn't anymore. They are like the Vietnam. Yes, yeah, so they were the Vietnam veterans. Of Star Wars. Um, my, my second favorite, and I can't remember the, the episode, it's uh, where C-3PO is stuck with Commander Wolf. (laughs) Sassy Commander Wolf and his eye rolls. Yes. (laughs) Commander Wolf eye rolls. Like, I've got Uh, them on. I I just... (laughs) It's just like... I have so many of those gifts. Oh, my God. That is the... The best thing ever is watching Commander Wolf just go into eye rolls. I'm like, it's going to fall out of his head. I'm going to need you to send that gift to me. Yeah, that's a fantastic one. Um, Who wants to go? I'll go. Yeah. Um, My favorite... It's a couple, but uh, that I always ref- like, actually come back to legitimately all the time are three, and I think they all kind of go together. Um, World Between Worlds, 
from Rebels. Mm -hmm. And then going even further back, uh, the Mortis trilogy. And I already mentioned that in this panel, oops. And then, <laughs> and then also the Yoda arc from the Lost Missions, which are all you know, intrinsically linked um, and deal with the Force in the weirdest way, but are constantly being brought up even in today's Star Wars and the films. And I feel like I can return to those arcs so many times and get something new out of it each time. And it's so weird, it's so confusing, it's so confounding, and I love it for what you know, each of these shows did to, you know, push the boundaries, I guess. Yeah, one of the cool things, sorry. One of the cool things about the Mortis arc is that when you get the DVD, on the DVD it actually had, like, it was one of the extras, like an extra on the Mortis arc. Like, I'm, I'm going, okay, cool. You press play, and Filoni comes on saying, yeah, we're not really gonna talk about this, <laughs> click, and that's it, it's gonna <laughs> be 15 seconds, and it's like, whoa, come on, seriously? In at Star Wars Celebration this year, I don't know if anyone was there and they went to the uh, Rebels Remembered panel, and he had a World Between Worlds um, picture in the back that like kind of illustrated World Between Worlds, but it was all blurred out. And the whole thing, and he started the panel like, we're gonna talk about anything, cause like the show's over and we can talk about anything, but it was all blurred out. Filoni <laughs> 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 being Filoni. <Yeah. laughs> Well, for me, it's the characters. Um, the most controversial thing you'll hear in this panel, the original trilogy is my least favorite part of Star Wars. <laughs> I know, right? Well, that's because like when I was little, like characters like Leia and Padme, they were both these like really amazing women, and they they were so cool and they were so brilliant that somebody who deals with a lot of like anxiety and like depression and stuff like that, I didn't see myself being as cool as them, and I had a hard time connecting with these women. And then my Clone Wars came and my, my lovely Ahsoka Tano came along and she was flawed. She was so flawed. She made mistakes. She struggles. Ahsoka Tano totally has PTSD. Like she struggled. And it was the first time I saw myself in Star Wars because every <coughs> this character wasn't perfect. The characters of Clone Wars are not perfect. I also love Cad Bane until the end of the earth. <laughs> I want him back. But like, yeah, I, I, I come back for these characters to see people like Rex struggling and seeing characters just struggle and not being these like great heroes that like I failed to strive to be because I'm not that person. I'm a normal person who struggles and I'm flawed just like these people. Kanan's a flawed character. Ezra's a flawed, flawed character. And I like that. That's why Kanan's my favorite Jedi because he doesn't believe in himself as a teacher. He doesn't believe in himself as a Jedi, and he has to learn how to do that. And those are examples that we should be teaching people, that you don't have to be perfect to be a hero. You can be just as flawed and have PTSD and have these crazy things just like Ahsoka Tano, but you too can go off and be Gandalf the White at the end, <laughs> and you can work towards it. Yeah. Kind of going on the Ahsoka Tano train, um, one of my favorite arcs that I always go back to is the Ahsoka Leaves arc at the end of season five of Clone Wars. And... <laughs> For me, that was so important because my Star Wars story is I came into Star Wars, I watched Star Wars for the first time in fall 2005, so right after Revenge of the Sith had finished, had been out, and so I already knew how everything ended. Um, there were no surprises for me, and so when Ahsoka came along, it, she was the first Star Wars character that I was like, I don't know what happens. <laughs> and for me, that was such a fun ride to follow her journey from, well, what we thought was the end, and thankfully it was not, um, and to be able to see the culmination of all of her work and like what is going to happen when we get to Revenge of the Sith timeline like where is she and to see that arc kind of come to fruition was really satisfying as a fan and of course then to 
get to track with her more into uh, Rebels and beyond. <laughs> That's what made me watch Rebels, was I found out Ahsoka was in it. I was like, oh, I have to watch this now. Okay, we're in. Like, something that, like, to add on with, like, the whole thing with you saying, like, Ahsoka, like, messes up, like, there are some moment, <coughs> moments where Ahsoka, like, messes up big time. Like, in season one, she literally ends up getting over half of her fighter squadron killed. Like, she's responsible for getting several of her good friends killed, and that is something... Like, something, like, if you just, like, look at it, it's like, um, oh, it's just, uh, extras, they're dead, okay, move on. But this is, like, early on in the war. Ahsoka's, like, 13 at this point. She just got thrusted into this war, and now has to live with the fact that she's responsible for getting almost her entire squad killed. That is something that, like, many people today just can't process. The Jedi Order is a cult. Pass it on. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Kevin Kiner for the music. Because, yeah. Like, if, if, yeah. yeah. If you remember, like at the at the end of season five, during the after Ahsoka leaves, oh, during yeah. the credits, there is like an oboe. It's a solo. Da da da. At the end of uh, the season two finale of Rebels, <laughs> those last two minutes, it's that same music mm -mm. with mm -mm. an orchestra, and it is literally the be for me the best piece of Star Wars music. Period. I could watch that forever. Put it on Spotify. It's it's so great. I I think that it that's a funny story though about Dave where he didn't yeah. want the whole you know da -da 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 -da. at the end of it he wanted to be super somber when the credits it rolled and oh, it, it was perfect. Oh my god, who else was crying? Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so we're gonna skip a little bit ahead to start talking about the presence of the Star Wars animation department so that we have time for questions at the end. So, Resistance. How many of you have watched Resistance? Yes! yes. We about to spoil it for you. Yeah, Heads up! Here we go. <laughs> if you have not watched Resistance, like she said, these are spoilers, but also you should watch Resistance. It's so good. Um, so, Star Wars Resistance premiered last October, and it would go on to be nominated for an Emmy itself in its first season. And it takes place on the ship, the Colossus, and is set during the sequel trilogy era, and features overlapping timelines with The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, which is one of my personal favorite things about it. Um, and we have a whole new set of characters, just like Rebels, with Kaz, Tora, Tam, Niku, and Yeager, um, and a lot of others as well. Um, so, season two is unfortunately going to be Resistance's last season. We found out a couple weeks ago when we saw the trailer for season two, which looks amazing. Um, so, we can all take a moment to just be sad about that, because I know I am. <laughs> um, and this was the poster that was revealed at Star Wars Celebration. And so, the end of season one of Resistance saw Tam uh, joining the First Order and Kaz trying to stop her, but she eventually goes on to join the First Order away from her friend group. Um, so what do we think is it, is it going to take for Tam to come back to the Colossus at the end of Season 2? Can I segue and pitch resistance first? Yeah, please. Hi, fam. <laughs> so for, I was going to be so cool. <laughs> I've discovered that. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about resistance just for a second for the people who haven't watched it. And it is a very uniquely different show from the previous two. And the reason it is so unique is unlike the previous two where they were more plot driven, it's more character driven. So it's a little bit slower, it takes a little bit more time to get into. But where Resistance is very is, is brilliant is it's something that I've been calling blue collared Star Wars. And it's not about 
the Skywalkers. It's not about these Force users. There's really no Force at all. It's about normal, everyday people and about how these big themes of these movies, these wars of the movies, affect everyday people. Like, how does these wars affect a cantina owner, a, a janitor? There's a janitor that this war is just like, oh, this is my life now. I'm disrupted by the First Order. Oh, God. And it's he like, and it's mom. about us. It's about us people. And how would we feel if the First Order came to our workplace, our homes, and told us what to do? That's what resistance is about. It took me a long time to get into it and to really understand the concept, but it's brilliant. We're just seeing it through Kaz's eyes because Kaz is a resistance spy. But we see how kind these of. wars. Uh, yeah, he tries. <laughs> he tries. Gold star. He tries. So like Definitely resistance tries. is amazing. Please give it a, a try because it's very, very different. It's the the most unique Star Wars I've ever seen because it's nothing like anything else. And I mean that as the story is very different. Okay, I'm done. That's my TED talk. Thanks for coming. So, in regards to what it would take for Tam to come back, personally, I don't want her to come back. I think it's going to be a lot more impactful if Tam stays with the First Order, because, like, you gotta look at it from her eyes, like, she's, like, Yeager's done, like, from her eyes, Yeager's done nothing but hold her back. She doesn't see it as Yeager protecting her and stuff like that. She just sees it as Yeager keeping the truth from her. And then Kaz shows up, she starts trusting him, and boom, she, he's a resistance spy. And we already know she's been through some stuff with Hype Phazon and feels betrayed by that, so... But then the First Order comes along, and they're not showing any sign that they're gonna, like, betray her or do anything like that, so she has the mindset of, like, oh, all my friends betrayed me, I'm gonna stay with the first... I'm gonna go with the First Order, and personally, what I want to see happen is, like, yeah, Tam stay with the First Order, like, don't go back to the Resistance, and I want there to be, like, that confrontation between her and Yeager and I, I love Yeager but in this confrontation I kind of want him to die I love Yeager but I feel like before we started you were like man it would have been great if the ghost crew just died yeah. not the entire crew I'm just saying it would have been more impactful in my opinion Logan you're the baby of the panel stop I'm talking about the serious stuff oh somebody has to <laughs> I mean, I can go into, like, how fascism is portrayed in resistance if we really want to. And oh, the radicalization boy. of our youth. Uh, that's what we talk about on our podcast. I, I talk about stuff that's a little more... I can do that. I talk about stuff that's deeper, not politics. Politics <laughs> are not my forte. I, I feel like Tam has given... I think that something that's so brilliant about resistance is that we empathize with Tam and her decision. We totally know where she's coming from. And I think that that's... <clears throat> Something we have seen sort of in Star Wars, but definitely not to this degree in that we're like, wow, you know what? That makes sense. But at the same time, we know these characters. We know Yeager. We know Kaz. We know that they care about Tam so much. That, that moment where she leaves and joins the First Order was so emotional. And for me, I want her to come back, but I also kind of want her to be someone on the inside who helps the resistance. And I, my biggest hope is that now that it's only two seasons, that we have this satisfying conclusion to her arc, because for me, it's the most fas fascinating thing about Resistance. Also, not, not just that, the, um, the First Order did, did an incredibly good job of psychological warfare for her to get her Dreaming. to make that decision. Just, yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't, you need to do this. It was, no, what about this? What I, just like, like any kind of recruiter would do for any cause. Mm -hmm. So whether, you, you just flip that coin, 
you know, what's her name? The the recruiter. Agent Tyranny. Tyranny. Tyranny yeah. Girlfriend. I mean, she could just be. She could be a rebel. I mean, just change the wording. It's basically you recruiting someone. She just happened to be recruiting for the first order, <coughs> and they did a masterful job of showing how people can decide to make a choice of joining something that is, you know, basically in the in the background fascist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've been arguing with people this entire time about Resistance, is that, like, out of the three shows, it, if you took Resistance and put it in our modern-day society, it has it's the one that has the most something to say. It has something to say about the rise of fascist regimes, regimes in our world. It has something to say about the radicalization of our youth, like Tam. It has something to say about people with monetary privilege. Kaz is a very different protagonist. He comes from wealth. He's a senator's son. He has to learn how to check his privilege. And so so like it's the most show it's out of the three it's the show that has the most to say about our society it's just so subtle doing it you have to like think about it it's yeah it's definitely the most <coughs> relatable um, like you said Kaz coming from a family of privilege learning how to exist in a new world um, one of the things I love about resistance is the way that it's constantly referencing things that have come before it um, I mean even Tam uh, when she's when we're kind of seeing her thinking about joining the first order and Kaz is talking to her about how horrible the empire was and Tam is like well I had a grandfather who worked in the empire and like he just needed to put food on the table and like that's something that I think is really reflective of a lot of the choices that sometimes get and be made in our world too and you just don't know everyone's story and I think it was really easy for Cass to be like the empire was bad and you know the rebellion was good and Tam was like well I have a completely different perspective of that do you think I'm a bad person now and I think it, it makes people it causes our characters and then I think ourselves too to be really reflective of that she reminds me a lot of Sienna Reed from Love Stars yeah that's yeah exactly um that, that story feels very um related, similar to this one. Well, what do you think about Tam? (laughs) I love Tam. Um, I loved how they routinely kind of isolated her throughout season one. Um, I thought that was a really... As a fan of her character, I was like, oh, I miss Tam. But then it makes sense for the decision that she makes at the end of the season. And for one, I thought it was a really... uh, bold statement to actually have her get up on to the First Order's ship and leave everyone. Like Charlotte mentioned, that scene is just so emotionally charged. Um, I really hope that she comes back (laughs) because uh, I think it would be great to see, to have a character who made what I think some people might call the wrong choice or maybe not the best choice at the end of season one and eventually find her way back to the people who actually care about her and love her and will forgive her for the choices that she made and welcome her back with open arms just like hopefully she will forgive them for the lies that they told to her too. And then eat spaghetti. Yes, yes. <laughs> on our show, we ha- on Sky Talkers, we have a joke that resistance is like a pot of boiling water um, because we're just getting closer and closer and closer to the rise of Skywalker and tensions are rising like a pot of boiling water. So we make a joke about that a lot on our show. It's actually a really great metaphor. <laughs> it does. It, 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 it takes a long time to explain, though. <laughs> So uh, we are going to speed right along to the future of Star Wars animation with Clone Wars Season 7. Yes! Which at D23 we finally, finally got a date when it was coming back. Not an exact date, but a month. I'll take it. Uh, February 2020, uh, Season 7 of the Clone Wars is going to be coming back to Disney+. Plus. very excited <laughs> and I think Dave Filoni said it's going to be 12 episodes uh, presumably the last season he's definitely indicated that there's not going to be any more <laughs> so what is one crazy wish that we all have for these last 12 episodes of the Clone Wars start down there and work down Go ahead. I really want them to 
bump right up against Revenge of the Sith and just kind of fill out the timeline completely? I think they will, but that's kind of my huge hope. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to seeing how they do the Battle of Mandalore. Um, just because two years ago in London celebration, there's actually a video you can watch on YouTube. Filoni described what would actually happen, and um, Ashley Eckstein was there, and he basically made her cry. Oh, she just like started bawling because he described what she gets to see. So I actually want to see how they flesh that out and do that. Execute Order 66. <laughs> I will leave it at that. <laughs> Th- that final actual sense of finality where, because w- when it ended, it just didn't feel finished. Mm-hmm. So there were several you know, loose ends floating around and various storylines that were never, were never concluded. Like, where did Ahsoka end up? We do know that she, you know, there's the Siege of Mandalore, and some of us, probably everybody, has seen those little snippets where you, she walked. There's the the clones with the Ahsoka markings on their on their their kits. That's something I want to see. I want what happened to the the three clones. How did they end up over, you know, hunting the giant sand slugs? How did they get there? What was the end of their story before that happened? I, I want Captain Rex worked in the Empire. I want to know more about that. But, but did he? Yeah, he said no. so in Rebels. Yeah. So it, my it, my one crazy thing that I want to see because it, it's such a unique opportunity where you had the first show Clone Wars and then you went back to Rebels and they finished Rebels and now we're going back to Clone Wars. I want to see Caleb Doom. I want to see young Kanan. Oh my god, that would be so like, cool. E- even if That'd it's just like a, like a quick shot of him like in the background with Depa, or like even if they do like an Order 66 scene and we get the Kanan the last Padawan moment where it's like, run Padawan. I want to see young Kanan because we have that opportunity to put him from Rebels back into Clone Wars now. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, I think I'm going to take that one. That sounds really good to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. I changed my answer. I mean, right? So yeah, yeah. I win the panel. Rex never served with the Empire. He defected when Order 66 happened. No, Wolf did. He says in Rebels multiple times, like, me and Cody wrote all these codes together. And yeah, like, they wrote them for the Republic. The Empire just used them. It's not stated that way. That's how I was interpreted. I know Wolf uh, executed Order 66. I, my interpretation is that Rex had to, like, try to survive because, you know, all his brothers were there, too. I, I was under the impression that Rex worked for the Empire and then eventually left. I think the Ahsoka novel said that, like, he um It just said that he helped, he helped he dre- stage their deaths. Yeah, well, we, we can we can address the canon <laughs> afterwards too. <laughs> we'll <play later. laughs> yeah, next year. One we'll of one of the random things I'm really looking forward to. One, I love. Um, I'm a bit like I love the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka, so I really hope that they get time to be sad together <laughs> and talk about the choice that Ahsoka made. I think that's really important for Anakin's, um, I'd say, development, but his journey further into uh, the dark side and uh, Revenge of the Sith. One of the random things I'm really looking forward to uh, for season seven is the fact that Ray Park was motion captured for Darth yes. Maul to be animated, yeah. which, yeah. like, what other show is doing it like Clone Wars, guys? Darth Maul. could never. Yeah, Maul and Zach's like, yeah. Yeah. It, when they revealed that at Star Wars Celebration, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Literally no other show is doing it like Clone Wars. Yeah, that little snippet that they showed is incredible already. It's so, so mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. I love Ahsoka with blue lightsabers. <sighs> I love it all. The green's iconic, but the blue looks so satisfying. 
So moving into future projects, obviously Resistance is ending. We do have um, season seven of Clone Wars, so uh, coming down the line, but eventually that will end too. If you could pitch one thing to the Lucasfilm Story Group for an animated show, movie, storyline, what would it be? Well, why don't we start with you? Like, you have not started yet. I will start. Um, <laughs> uh, like Charlotte mentioned, we are really big fans of the Mortis trilogy. Uh, I love Mortis. I love when the Force gets weird. So one thing I would love to see Star Wars do is do an animated, like really stylized, almost like Miyazaki-style film, animated film about the Mortis gods and really exploring that mythology more. I think it could get really trippy, really weird. I think it would look beautiful. That's what I want. Um. Well, for me, like, um, I'm so excited about, like, post-Tross because I feel like we're about to go into, like, the wild years of Doctor Who when the show ended and we didn't have anything until the no new show came back. And I, I'm just looking forward towards just, like, anything new. I, I don't care if it's Old Republic. I don't care if it's, like, 50 years in the future after Tross. I just want to see, like, brand new Star Wars we've never seen before and make it weird. I love weird Star Wars, man. Weird Star Wars is the best. So that's, that's what I want. I'd just be happy to have anything. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> those dark years of, the, uh, of Doctor Who, was, it was pretty empty. <laughs> uh, in all honesty, I'd really enjoy to see uh, like, uh, like a series about kicks and like the Crimson Coast hair and oh, Sidon Ithano. I think that'd be an amazing he's, story he's, to he's like. probably gonna be in Resistance because the Crimson Coast hair is gonna be. In yeah, Resistance. and like you got Super Battle Droids coming up. Like, I would just like love to see Kicks and how he's coping with the fact that he got like ripped from his own time. Like everybody he knows besides R two and C three PO are assumed are presumed to be dead, long dead. So I'd love to see like how he like deals with that and like what kind of like PTSD he has from like not being able to successfully save the Jedi and save his brothers. I am desperate for a Luke and Ben Solo training show. Oh. I just need an exploration into that era. I am a huge Kylo Ren fan, so it's, this is like no surprise to people who know me, and I just like, that feels like it needs to be filled in, and they're not gonna touch that until The Rise of Skywalker is over, and it feels like there's a lot there that we can explore. I wouldn't mind um, Han, Han Solo going around after, like pre-TFA, but after, you know, Return of the Jedi, like after they've had Ben, and he's just going around with with, Chewie, with Chewie just hanging out and seeing what he does with that, and as an maybe as even as an adult cartoon, because that's most of the cartoons are, cartoons are for kids. Of course, they should as they should be. I would still love to see like some sort of adult-oriented cartoon anime style, that kind of thing. I'm actually really surprised because I thought somebody on the panel was going to say Thrawn, Ezra, Sabine, and Ahsoka. And oh. so I, that's why I didn't choose that as my choice. That needs to be, that needs to be a movie <laughs> all on its like own. That needs yeah. to be a movie all on its own. I just didn't choose it. I thought someone would say it. So. It needs to happen. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of like a blanket statement at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we did mention The Rise of Skywalker is coming up very, very shortly. What is something from animation that you hope gets represented in The Rise of Skywalker? Oh, a storyline, a character, a ship, anything that you Ahsoka. really- Ahsoka. Ahsoka? Definitely Ahsoka or anyone from the Clone Wars. Like, um, Kicks, it would make sense. Um, find some random excuse for how Rex could still be alive. I don't care what you do, I will accept it, <laughs> as long as he's alive. 
Yeah. Um, and, and this is kind of inspired by a friend of mine in the back corner of the room. I'd like to see more Hondo. Ooh, yes. Who happens to be standing in the back of the room right now. Um, Hondo Onaka. Yes, I'd like to see him and, and his little crew. I kind of would think that would be an interesting animation, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't mind Vimerati. Oh, yeah. You know, just her being a spy, maybe pre-Phasma, doing, having fun doing whatever she wants to do. Both those, uh, Hondo and Vi, aren't exactly, you know, wild guesses because right. they are represented in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland and Disney World. Mm-hmm. And that's How canon. That, by the way? It's great. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I... I have a small wish. I feel like, I honestly feel like I've been talking about Mortis a lot up here, sorry. But I feel like the symbols of dark and light in in Mortis could come up in The Rise of Skywalker, and it feels like it could happen, and I would kind of freak out if I saw those. Who would freak out if like World Between Worlds came up? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. There's so many World Between Worlds. I was telling people about how I want the final battle to between Ray and Kylo Ren to be in the world between worlds. I want that so like bad. That. Like you just like <laughs> hear like all like the quotes yeah. and stuff like that and just like see like this massive like light show as those sabers clash and like this massive force energy. Amazing. From your lips to JJ's ears. I think it is. That's the thing. <laughs> so, all right. So now. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you didn't say yours either. <laughs> a world between worlds. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's no big deal. Go on. We're running short on time. So um, all right. So now we're going to open up for Q&A. If you have a question, you can come to the center of the room. It can be about If you can't come anything. to the center of the room, please raise your hand. Mm-hmm. No questions? Come on, guys. Wow. We can just keep talking about Star Wars then. Clara, welcome. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Charlotte. Good to see you guys. Um, so Star Wars has a long, ter- uh, long tradition of Tentacle monsters. Do you think we're getting another one in Rise of Skywalker? I sure do. I hope feel so. like we might. Just yeah. because. I, Why not? It's yeah. in every single movie. Yeah. Even as in The Last Jedi, it was like teased in the corner on Octo, which felt like a like an in joke. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Nothing. None of that surprises me just anymore. Get a, just get a new breed of a Sarlacc. Probably. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Sarah. So, one of my personal favorite things about. All of the animation, this is going to be a question for the group, is the, the way in which it makes you watch films differently after you see something. What is an arc, a character, an event in, it could be any of the series, that, that causes you or caused you to go back and watch a particular film or scene a different way? I know for me personally, Order 66 was completely different after The Clone Wars. When I first saw Revenge of the Sith, I was like, okay, great, like, that's really sad. I don't really know those people very well. And then I watched Clone Wars, and uh, the first time I watched Revenge of the Sith, after I got to know uh, Plo Koon, devastating. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was uh, Hera and Rebels made me go back and watch the episodes with Boyle and Waxer, where they ran into Nima. So yeah. I was like, okay, they all know each other. I gotta go back and and then you can catch the little little girl and everything in, in those episodes. So that, that one, Hera made me go back and watch Clone Wars again. For me, it's definitely um, like Twilight of the Apprentice and uh, the season finale of Rebels. Like Twilight of the Apprentice, I looked at Vader like in a whole new light and I like realized like, like 
I'm sure I'm not the only one who was hoping that during that fight, Vader would say, go, leave, I'll let you live, but if we see each other again, I'll kill you. Instead, he's just like, okay, I'm going to kill you now. Um, which makes it so much more obvious, the fact that like um, Luke is truly the only one who's able to save Anakin. And also, like the series finale of Rebels, and then like saying, like, um, oh, Rex was at the Battle of Endor, and then Galaxy of Adventures, like showing the little animations and showing Rex with Han Solo, made me go rewatch Return of the Jedi again just to like catch that snip bit and just say to people, ha, Rex is it in Return of the Jedi, take that. Um, Order 66 for me, too. For me, it was the Lawless episode from uh, Clone Wars. It's the one, I mean, how could they manage to fit that much plot into one 22-minute episode? It just blows my mind. There's, you know, the whole Obi-Wan and, and um, Satine arc. They're at the very end, we're close to the end when Obi-Wan is leaving. He turns to Bo-Katan and he says, she's your sister, isn't she? I'm so sorry, which is a total, which, which is why it made me want to watch Return of, I mean, uh, uh, Phantom Menace again. Oh, sorry, Revenge of the Sith when Obi-Wan goes, uh, Anakin's a father, isn't he? I'm so sorry. It, it, it mirrors that completely. <laughs> and then the very end of that episode, when they've got, they're fighting up, up against this mural, which is, it's, uh, what do you call it? Mandalore, the way they, the art style they chose was, uh, what, what's the Spanish? No, but Art Deco, but um, uh, Picasso. And so the, the mural in front of which they watch, in front of which they fight, is basically, it's, very similar to Picasso's Guernica, which is uh, from the Spanish Civil War. He painted a painting of that. I would love it. I, I call that like Star Wars Guernica, just because I just love that painting. Mm -hmm. yeah. For me, it's kind of like the backwards of this question. Um, I used to be a manager of a comic book store, and I lost count of how many dude bros told me to my face that the animation of Star Wars is not important unless it's on the movie screens. And when they dropped one day out of the blue that Saw Guerrero was gonna be in a movie called Rogue One. Mm -hmm. I started sobbing, because I felt validated that this animation that I loved so much was now on the movie screens, and that it was important, and that it was being brought into live action. And then we got General Syndulla, we see Chopper, we see the ghosts at the Battle of Scarif, and so emotionally, because of the animation, is one of the reasons why Rogue One's my favorite movie. And I love it so much, and because it just validates my my love of the animation because it brought it to life for the first time. And then we got Solo and everybody was confused. <laughs> oh, that was fun. That was the best. I love the idea that people who have never had any exposure to the animation department after Solo, their first dive is going to be on Dathomir. And I just think that's crazy. And people are going to be like, what is going on in this show? And there's yeah. Mother Talzin and Dooku's there and Sabat. Like, there's a lot going on in that. And for that to be your first introduction into Clone Wars, <laughs> I think is really funny. What's your question? Uh, one's a, just a commentary if you've watched Resistance and the Aliens in the Part Shop, uh, if anybody's a NPR fan. Uh, they remind me of a click and clack the car talk guys. Yep. So I didn't know if anybody else had drawn that parallel. Um, but one thing I was curious about, like in the first season, they really didn't, with the exception of like Hype and Tora, they didn't really touch basis on any of the aces, yeah. any of their stories oh. or anything like that. And I was wondering if any of y'all had any speculations on that. I have a lot of thoughts about yeah. that. I am just very disappointed of how they promoted Resistance. It yeah. was promoted so differently. For one, it's in a weird t slot. Children are not awake on a school night at 10 p.m. What the heck is that? 
And if you look at the amount of like merchandise and stuff that has come out for the other shows, Clone Wars has a bajillion EU books, it has comics, it has action figures, it has stuff. Rebels has a new Dawn, Thrawn, Thrawn Trees, and Thrawn Alliances, Kanan Last Padawan, Hera has been in the Star Wars comics, those, uh, they, they have all this. Resistance has had two comics. Two, and it's from IDW. And IDW is a very tiny comic book company. It's yeah. not part of the main Marvel line where it's like, hey, Resistance. I, I think they have just completely missed up promoting the show because the aces were like, look at the aces. They're great. And I'm like, this is what I care about. They look so cool. I want to know about Griff Halloran, this person who used to be in the Empire. What does he think about the First Order? He says, like, two things the entire season. Yeah. Like, it, there's been a completely missed up promotion with Resistance, which I think is why a lot of people haven't jumped on board yet, because it's flying under everyone's radar. And when they released all the Rise of Skywalker books coming out within between now and the movie, I went, where's all the Resistance books? Like, heck, we have a whole thing about Zara Leonis from Rebels from one episode, has his own book series. Why can't we have, movie like, book series, by the way. a yeah. book? Like, with... Uh, Griff, like he was the ace I was like most excited about. Yeah. Like it, we get like this uh, old tie pilot and stuff like that. And then with the reveal that Doza was an Imperial captain, it got me like got my brain thinking like, holy crap! Um, Doza and Griff might have been at the battle of Jakku, and Griff might have been loyal to Doza and might have gone with him and stayed by his side to help like protect him and stuff like that. And I was expecting towards the end like of season one, oh, we're gonna get, like, a flashback sequence, um, there might be some, like, conflict between, like, Yeager and Griff, we get nothing, we just get a scene of Griff nearly getting shot down by a, by a First Order TIE fighter, and Kaz saving him, that's it. I'm, I'm kind of reserving my judgment for, which is, like, I totally agree about, I think it was marketed incorrectly and made you really hyped for the ace pilots when they're hardly in the show, but I do think that they will come into play perhaps even more in season two, and I just, I want to see how that fits in, so I don't know if I have, like, a concrete thought on it yet, because it, they could come in in a big way. Yeah, I'm also worried because it's only basically 22 episodes, if yeah. at all, and so they got to cram a lot of stuff into that, into those 22 episodes. Now, they've shown they can do it, but, I mean, it is literally one of the most, it is the most diverse uh, show we've ever seen, I mean, just as far in terms of the characters are concerned. So, why, you know, and also, these cartoons take a long time to make. They, this decision had to have been made a year ago. Just be, or I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the recordings had, were done a minimum a year ago, if not more. So why now they decide to do it, I, I really don't know. If, if diversity is something you care about in Star Wars, six out of nine of the voice actors from Resistance of the main characters are people of color. Yeah. Enjoy that thought. Go to the Star Wars rep panel tonight. Um, so, so I was wondering, how do you feel about how Palpatine is still alive? Amazing. <laughs> his, Brilliant. The poster yes. looks like his like season four rebels image. Yes. Like it looks like it came from the animation. So. If, if he's sitting in front of like a bowl kind of thing, I'll I'll for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm insanely excited for Palpatine's return, and if it is revealed that the Palpatine we see in Rebels, like through the portal, is actually Palpatine in Episode Nine, I am going to scream. I don't care who I who I interrupt the movie for. I'm going to scream. I mean, the, the imagery on the poster for The Rise of Skywalker is so reminiscent of Palpatine and World Between Worlds. You kind of can't not make that connection, and I think I think World Between Worlds, something like that, is coming up in Rise of Skywalker, and Palpatine 
figured out how to access that power. I'm very excited. My, my real answer is go look up Charles Soule's ver- uh, run of Darth Vader. Yes. And look up Lord Moman, and you'll understand my theory because Lord Moman is a Sith Lord who preserves his essence in a helmet. <laughs> and what do we keep seeing? Darth Vader's helmet in the trailer. That's my thoughts. Also, read that comic. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. I cheer it. So throughout Rebels and Clone Wars and Resistance, there have been a lot of really funny moments. It's a kid's show. There's got to be funny moments. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite funny moment from Ooh. all the TV shows? Oh. When Anakin and Ahsoka throw Rex off the tall wall. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they keep the head count, too. And they're like, no, I won. I won. For me, it's got to be when Rex pretends to be a commando droid and you got, like, like the Cody on the side is like, ugh, this is never gonna work, you're an idiot. The door just opens up and Rex just holds the guns like, hello! Just blows <laughs> the Joy's brains out. I love that scene so much. One of my favorites is from Resistance when Kaz has to take over Flix and Orca's shop and he has to be like a retail worker basically for a day and he does not do a good job. It's, it's hilarious. I love all the BB-8 and Kaz moments in Resistance. What BB-8 like clearly just wants to go back to Poe, which is just so funny. <laughs> and th- their banter, which isn't really you know droid banter, but it's just they have funny chemistry. It's great. Pretty much any time Chopper speaks. Yes. 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 Love, yeah. love Chopper. Um, Chopper gets in the Y wing. He's just pissed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, the, the thing for me is just like anytime the space family and rebel snarks at each other and just because I, I just thought of a bunch of like different things at once that came to my brain. It, the, mo- the one that came to my brain is like, oh, it's wolves, loth wolves. When it gets weird, it's a good thing. Yes. Yeah. Just like anytime they snark at each other. I love it. That, that reminds me of the scene where like, um, like Hera leaves it and she's like, you're in charge. And Kalos is like, I can't, I've, I can't believe it. I chased the ship for so long. Now I'm commanding it. And Rex is like, no, you're not. I'm in command, and he's like, I've commanded Star Destroyers, and Rex is like, yeah, I think you just answered your own question just there. Okay. <laughs> uh, mine's, again, a little bit more commentary, but uh, I was thinking about when you guys were talking about, like, what would you be, like, the future of the animation? I was going to the Battle of Geonosius, I would want to see, like, what about one of the side guys, the shiny squad, fresh out of the box? Mm-hmm. Like, they were trying to pump out as many clones as fast as they could, and they didn't know anything that was going on. Like, they were... Anakin was asking uh, for assistance in air support, and uh, I forget the guy's name. Admiral was like, "We got we this entire world invasion. We have millions upon billions of clones. Like one of those clones, like first time, first time seeing a Geonosian, doesn't even know they can fly. In all their simulations, they only fight droids. Like, what's up with that?" Yeah, that would be an interesting point of view is the, the shiny shiny experience on Geonosis or any of the first deployments. It's yeah, also not like, canon, but if you want to check out Karen Miller's, or Karen Travis's uh, Clone Commandos books, they're superb. It's not yeah, canon like, yet anymore, but they're excellent. With the Republic Commando game, uh, you get like that Who's sense of the first battle from the point of view of like the Commando squads. Um, and you also pretty much like if like you listen to like the calm chatter and stuff like that, you pretty much hear that like this battle is an abysmal failure of tactics. Like it is so bad, and you're hearing that like several, and you're being deployed on several more missions because other squads didn't have any real command structure and got wiped out. So yeah. And I think this might be our last question. Okay. Uh, well, one, I like the Clone Wars series. Uh, you know. 
great storylines and whatnot. But have you heard anything about the upcoming series, animated series, uh, that has Luke Skywalker uh, in there? And of course, they brought back uh, the voice actress for Ahsoka Tano. I assumed it was for the upcoming Clone Wars season, but it may be also working with the Luke Skywalker series. And I'm assuming that time period is when he's training to be a Jedi, either before he last saw uh, Yoda or after. And have y'all heard, heard anything? I haven't heard, heard anything. anything. So that's probably why they, they, they pivoted on Resistance and dropped it like a hot potato, is to work on the Luke series. The only Luke Skywalker thing I know of is the one that's on YouTube right now, the Galaxies, the Galaxies, Galaxies, the Galaxies of Adventures. Yeah. And those are also awesome. If you haven't yeah. checked those out, yeah. I mean, it's, it's some of the best animation you'll see around. And it's also done by Titmouse, who is a really good animation house. So. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about a Luke Skywalker series, but if there is a Luke Skywalker series and he gets to meet Ahsoka and like Frank Rex and all those characters, that's I'm on board. That's yeah. one of my dreams of like I want to write that fan fiction one day of like they're at the Battle of Endor, like it's just ended, everyone's <laughs> celebrating, they just <laughs> blew up the second Death Star, and Rex hears across the way somebody mentioned the name Skywalker, and he looks over and there's Luke and Leia, and he's he goes over and he's like, I knew your parents, like. That's the fa that's the story I want, where he sits down with Luke and Leia and he tells them stories about Padme and Anakin. Like I want that story in my head canon. Like um, Luke, like like when the parties are going on, Luke goes to Rex and's like, I don't know what I should do. Like pretty much like spills beans about like, hey, Vader's my dad and stuff like that. And in my head canon, Rex pretty much tells Luke what Anakin was like and pretty much just like, now go get my general back. I have a headcanon that Ahsoka meets Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi, and she's with him as he burns Vader's body. Oh, God! Yeah. Well, I imagine. happy note. Well, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming. I like to imagine uh, Rex and R2. I get buttons if people want buttons. Yes, um, and real fast. Dragon just, Con tears. 